people all around the world have tuned into race. Um, and not because it was packaged in terms of a business case for diversity and inclusion, but because there is a clear case to be made for the disregard of human life among people who have black and brown skin. Champions for diversity, equity, and inclusion have been calling for real action for decades. And despite billions spent on corporate initiatives, the needle has remained, frustratingly, unmoved. But in the wake of the killing of George Floyd and national protests for racial justice, something interesting is happening. That needle, it's moving. Are we witnessing a defining moment for racial equality in business? And who is leading with their actions? Laura Morgan Roberts is a professor of practice at the University of Virginia Darden School of Business and an influential voice on diversity, authenticity, and leadership development. Scan the latest headlines for stories on race and the workplace, and you will likely see her name and insights. I'm Sean Carr. Welcome to Darden Ideas to Action. Laura, you have been incredibly busy given the national focus on racial justice. So thank you for making time to join us virtually on the socially distant version of Darden Ideas to Action. I'm glad to be here. What do you make of the moment we're in? It's interesting. Honestly, it's hard to keep up. I say that as someone who, if you think about sort of race talk and race work as a station on an XM radio, I've been tuned in since day one. So what do I make of this moment? It's one of those rare moments in history where people all around the world have tuned into race. Um, and not because it was packaged in terms of a business case for diversity and inclusion, but because there is a clear case to be made for the disregard of human life among people who have black and brown skin all over the world. And so as people tune into that conversation, then I think they're uh, starting to be more self-reflective, more pensive for the leaders that I work with and teach. We have to talk about the implications for leadership in the workplace. So that's been really valuable too. It really feels like we're at a tipping point. There's a change and people are tuning in. Have you begun to theorize as to why now? We find ourselves like confronting our mortality through the lens of this pandemic, right? COVID-19 just imposed a reign of fear and anxiety and terror on the part of ordinary citizens and communities and also people who were responsible for leading, for shaping the policies and making critical decisions that would have widespread public health and economic implications. And with that as the backdrop, then people viewed the George Floyd video differently. George Floyd was murdered in a very gruesome way that was captured and broadcast on social media when the world was by and large really quiet because so many things had slowed down. So there weren't as many distractions. 
to not see or hear or feel. Within a matter of weeks, there were a lot of public outrage about Breonna Taylor in Louisville, about Ahmaud Aubrey in, in Georgia. Cumulative effect. There was this timing and then this imagery which sent such a powerful message that was like, your life is not worth cherishing, protecting, or saving. I feel like that was a wake-up call for some people who had never experienced it. It's clear something is, is obviously very different now. And not only are the reactions happening around the world, but they're happening in all types of organizations and businesses. We've now seen businesses come out with statements in support of racial justice and even commitments to action. Give us your sense of that phenomenon. It is a phenomenon right now. It is something different, right? It is. To see the words, you know, Black Lives Matter and anti-racist in a public statement, that is new. Making statements that position the, the organization or the firm as being uh, welcoming of diversity and inclusion. We want to be a place where everyone belongs. I mean, over the past 20 years, you've got you know, almost every large organization who has a well-articulated statement of core values, including inclusion, diversity, belonging, somewhere in their core values, okay? So it's not like they had never said that this was a core value for them, but to name race, the black experience, um, brutality, violence, and then to aspire to be an anti-racist organization is definitely next level in terms of corporate statements and commitments. Now, some have criticized, even now, these efforts as so many empty words. And that speaks to perhaps a degree of cynicism about what different companies and corporate leaders are doing. What's your view on that? Is it empty or is there something deeper here that we should appreciate? I think that we should appreciate the context. And by context, I mean the series of events and the patterns of experiences that people have had over time. I'm referring to ongoing initiatives and efforts usually grassroots initiatives and efforts to implement change in these directions in organizations for years and years. What people are responding to in their cynicism is these patterns of experiences, the thwarted and underfunded or sidelined initiatives, the ways in which companies have signaled over time that diversity and inclusion is a, nice, is a nice to have, but not an essential. Now, a lot of the cynicism is also coming from external stakeholders, especially consumers. And consumers are demanding that alignment between the company's statement and their practices. So they're saying, don't just put up an ad to make yourself look good, so then we'll run out and buy your stuff. Show me your stats. I want to see the demographic composition of your senior leadership or of your board. When you make the statement, people are going to call you to task on 
whether or not you're operating in alignment with the statement. And I think that's fair game. I also think that if you've had a moment of truth as a leader or as a leadership team, and this is your time to take a stand for the first time, then that's okay. You make that statement, you take the stand, and then you just prepare to do the work to move it forward. And if you really want to drill down on aligning with a Black Lives Matter statement, then it also means making sure that you are going above and beyond to make your workplace an organization of choice for an employer of choice for black people. If you really want to be an anti-racist organization, then you're going to care as much about the quality of work experience for your low-wage workers who may be working in your cafeterias, cleaning your bathrooms and so forth, as driving your shuttles, as you care about those who have any hope or prayer of ever ascending to a senior leadership role or position because they've you know, been tracked differently based on their education. If you're anti-racist, you actually care about all of that. You care about all of those people. So I know you advise corporate leaders on a range of issues, talent development, racial inclusion, diversity, and equity. If I'm that person and I've said, you know what, Laura, I really want to make a meaningful difference right now. What are the top three or five things I should do? So the first thing that you want to do is open yourself up to a process of lifelong learning. Like buckle your seatbelt, friend. Here we go. You've chosen to tune in. And so now you're going to have to learn some things about the world and about yourself that will be unsettling. <laughs> but commit to that first. Don't jump to action and say, what can I do with skipping over the commitment to learning? Because then the actions will be ill-informed and in some cases may do more harm than good. So that's the first thing on the list. The second thing on the list is to examine your why. Like, why do you personally care? Why is this meaningful and significant for you personally? Because it's going to be that clarity of conviction that will help you to sustain during the rocky moments of leading this work. The third thing I would say is go on a listening tour. That means being willing to listen and being curious to learn more from the people who are willing to talk. This is not just standard conversation or arm's length conversation. It can be deeply personal. So just be prepared to listen and be curious. And this may be also where you start reading um, some, of the, some of the articles and the books and the research and the documentaries and, you know, things like that that can give you a perspective that's different than your own. What can you do within your sphere of influence? One, you can find somebody who's not like you, who does not remind you of yourself when you were younger, and bet on their potential. Invest in them. Help them to succeed. I dare you to try to find some, a person of color, an African-American person, who you can invest in. We know that um, the vast majority of white Americans do not have any black friends. 
you may have only one or two black friends. So this is going to be a process of trying to build relationships across difference, and it won't necessarily happen overnight. So that's four. And then five, influence is powerful when it comes from a collective, right? So find a way that you can connect with or align with other allies in this work and create some priorities and start to work together in building your platform so that you can help to execute on those priorities. Is there anything you'd recommend that we, any of us do or read or see to take us on that journey? Yeah, there's so many things that we could do or read or see. Uh, the first thing I would say is revisit the history of race and really think about the significance of race and some of the enduring issues of inequality over centuries. I live in Washington, D.C., so I am so fortunate because I have visited the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture several times since moving here three years ago. I highly recommend it. And a lot of their exhibits are available digitally. So even now in the age of physical distancing, you can still access that information, check it out. The 1619 series that was published, I believe in the New York Times, a special feature, amazing. Also gives that historical context. Look that up and, and start to delve in there. A couple of the pieces that I've worked on in the past year include an edited volume, Race, Work, and Leadership, New Perspectives on the Black Experience, and that's available through Harvard Business Publishing. It's a compilation of over 30 essays, over 50 thought leaders in this area who all speak to different dimensions of race, work, and leadership. And so I think that's a really valuable resource. And then there's also a Harvard Business Review series, five-part series on advancing black leaders that was just published in November, December. So those are contemporary sites. And then I'll turn to the bestsellers list at the current moment. Um, and I would think that it, the bestsellers reflect where our thoughts and energy should be right now. Robin D'Angelo's piece on white fragility is one that resonates with a lot of the people seeking to be allies. Ibram Kendi, How to Be Anti-Racist, likewise. And then Dolly Chuck, who published a book last year, also very helpful in this space, is called The Person You Mean to Be. Race is notoriously difficult for a lot of people to talk about and to talk about honestly. With that in mind, people often make mistakes. What should people not do, managers or otherwise, in this moment, with the best of intentions? What should they avoid doing? Avoid making it about you and your feelings, or even if it's about your embarrassment or about how hurt you are that you feel that you were misunderstood and that you know, you had the best of intentions and now you're getting some feedback that people didn't experience what you did or said in, in the way that you intended. Don't make that the issue. Focus on the issue at hand that you're trying to address, which is, you know, understanding and working against the injustices that are ongoing 
both in our workplaces and in our societies. Um, and then the, the second thing is, you know, if you truly have identified your why, you know, your reason to care, now is the time to step out of your safety zone and engage in more courageous action. So silence is a safer thing to do because we're not trained, we're not even socialized to talk about race in open and insightful ways that are evidence-based and can move the conversations forward. The window of opportunity is here now. This is not the time to be silent. Don't put the burden of leading the change on the people who have been marginalized or disempowered or who have been suffering from racism and other forms of oppression. That's often how these things work is that, you know, the people who have been suffering, they have to topple the system through their disruptions, but you can be an ally by standing in the gap there and letting them have a moment to just process and deal with where we are right now while you, you know, take on the role of trying to advocate for more conversations and more initiatives around racial equity and inclusion. Laura, thank you so much for all of your insights. Uh, I can't think of a more important time for this conversation and for your wise counsel. So I appreciate your taking the time. Thank you so much. It's great to dialogue with you. Laura Morgan Roberts is a professor of practice at the Darden School of Business. Laura's research and consulting focus on the science of maximizing human potential in diverse organizations and communities. Join us next time for more research, analysis, and commentary from the University of Virginia Darden School of Business. You can subscribe to Ideas to Action on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Podbean. To read more expert insights on this topic and more, visit ideas.darden.virginia.edu.